You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Hey, everybody. Time for American Winer. It is Monday evening. How's everybody doing? Beautiful spring weather in the metro Detroit area today. Uh, I am here in Studio 2 tonight, had, uh, had a bit of a change up. Um, my guest is joining us uh, from Mexico tonight on Skype. It is Mr. Eric. Uh, and, and you hear, Actually, it, it's funny, Eric. You uh, said your last name out loud for the very first time. I've known uh, you for, uh, or known of you for, I mean, 14 years now, and I've only heard you. That was the very first time I'd ever heard anybody say your name out loud. So could you just introduce yourself? <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah. I, so I don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. My name is Eric Nicolau. Eric Nicolau. Okay, that's that's what I was going to say. Nicolau. Nicolau. <laughs> All right. That's uh. Yeah. And you are joining us via Mexico. Um. And uh. But we you have yeah. uh. You're you're a musician primarily, and uh. At least that's what I know you from. You, you used to play in a bunch of local mm-hmm. bands, and then you ended up moving to L.A. And we will talk that's about mostly what I am. Well, we're going to talk about all of that, but before I, we do, I always start the interview off with the same question, and that question is, where were you born? Uh, Royal Oak, Michigan. Royal Oak, Michigan. Uh, and tell and me, tell Beaumont me, Hospital. Beaumont Hospital. It's uh, very familiar with that hospital. Um, tell me about your childhood. Uh, where did you grow up, and what were you into, and uh, all that kind of stuff? I was pretty much like suburban Midwest kid, and... Um, I played a Sega Genesis for like at least six hours every day in the summer. And then I spent the rest of the day outside riding my bike, also skateboarding a bunch and, um, probably didn't do enough homework. Uh, and I got a guitar at some point and started a band and just kind of normal kid stuff, I'd say. All right. Uh, what kind of a student were you? Uh, I was okay. I wasn't a great student, really, because um, I had I had a lot of interest in like music, you know. And uh, I didn't think school at the time was really as valuable to me as um, the time I could be investing in music. So I was a decent student. I had a lot. I mean, I could have done better, but I was fine. I was an okay student. All right. Uh, what did your parents do for a living? Yeah, oh, well, my dad's an engineer, and my mom was an IT person. Okay. Both worked for, like, Ford and the autos. The automotive industry? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, when did you first get interested in music? It sounds like it was pretty early on. It was pretty early. I got a guitar when I was seven, and I mean, I was like obsessed. I my dad was a guitarist, kind of amateur, but he kind of got me hooked, and I, I got one for my birthday, and it was kind of over from then. Was it an, an acoustic or an electric? Or yeah, I had a red Strat and uh, candy what, apple red. What kind of music did you listen to? Like, what what, were, what was inspiring you at the time? I think my first record was like actually I got like three out like three CDs. My dad would take me and my sister out to like Best Buy or or 
um, wherever we could. And, and, you know, we would just get like three or four CDs at a time. I remember the first three CDs I got Weezer blue album, um, smashing pumpkins, um, Siamese dream and, uh, bad religion. Oh, no kidding. That's funny. It's Siamese dream is a great album. I'm actually uh, familiar with the, the, the girl on the, uh, the right. And I'm going to try and get her on here at some point. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, That's cool. I'm so, um, yeah, her name's Allie, but, uh, um, yeah, so, uh, that's, that's, that's a great way to start there. Weezer, Smashing Pumpkins and Bad Religion. That's very nineties. Um, so when, when did you start? Pretty much pure nineties. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, I still you're... now listen to that stuff. Like I, I, I've always been obsessed with Weezer Blue Album, like probably a lot of people, but I like, I've just been relentless. Like I just obsessed with, I'm obsessed with that album. I just, I love it. Yeah, same here. I I listen to Smashing Pumpkins on the way here. I uh, still have the, I still still listen to all that stuff. I don't think it'll ever get old. I don't think anything has really replaced it in terms of like pop culture. I'm sure that the teenagers nowadays would probably disagree, but uh, but for me, you know, I wasn't a teenager and that stuff came out. I was a kid, and and it still, you know, it still holds up. So, um, I know that stuff does hold up. And Billy Corgan was, I mean, I think a lot of people are pretty tipped with him. Cause he, he's just kind of like a, he's kind of like one of those guys, but, uh, I think just like, yeah, it's very opinionated or he, I don't know. People get like, no, I, I, get, I completely hear you. Yeah. They, well, they, they think he's a tool is what it is. Or they think he's a D bag or whatever. And, and, and I, I, I can see that I have the same issue with like people have the same issue with Bono and, and I, I have the same opinion, which is like with Billy Corgan and Bono, like I can see why it would they would rub some people the wrong way, but it, for some reason it just doesn't bother me. I don't know why it just doesn't. I don't I, I, know. It comes with the territory. They get so pop, they get so famous and they get so much, uh, attention. And, uh, he's just so, you know, he's iconic to nineties. And I think he just kind of plays it up. So, yeah, well, I don't know. It doesn't bother me that much. I don't care. I think, I think that early stuff's amazing. I love the guitar tones and like, I love that fuzz sound. Yeah. I don't it's know if very lush. your guitarist at all, but, I'm obsessed with that. Um, so, so anyway, you were listening uh, to a lot of '90s music. Did you uh, like try and play any? Like, were you doing mostly covers when you started, or were you doing your own music? Like, like how how did you kind of uh, how did you come to to write your own stuff? Was it was it did mostly like, mostly uh, other people's stuff first, or did you start right away? Yeah, my dad would my dad would um, sort of. Well, I was obsessed with these 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 CDs, and I would listen to them front and back and then my my dad was a guitarist too but he, you know he'd sort of dare me you know he'd sort of like play a little, it was like a game you know he'd be like yeah learn this song you know and he actually had a cover band my dad had a cover band and so i'd always be like telling him i need to play in your band like he was i was never good enough in the beginning so he was like learn the song and maybe you can play with us and then i learned basically their whole like they had three sets i i'd made a point to like learn all their songs wow. every cover song they did wow and, so and you were like let me play with them you were like nine or like ten 12. when you did that 12 oh, okay i was still that's that's really impressive what kind of songs were they like what was the what were the sets do you remember some of them oh it was like tons of like it was like james is this like some band called james from like the 80s or like the church some australian like 
pop alternative band, mm-hmm. like an indie new wave band or something. I don't really like remember. They were like well, a lot of one hit wonders and like uh, 90, it was 90s too. Like I think there was a like chair, they played Cherub Rock from Smashing Pumpkins and stuff. Um, they also did like, yeah, they just did like iconic 90s cover band tunes, I think. There's a lot of dad rock, to be perfectly honest, too. <laughs> like, there was Eagles in there. Um, well, did, after you learned all that music, that must have really, you know, kind of sparked your interest and, 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 you know, made you think, like, hey, I could be, I could, all, these are just a bunch of different musical parts strung together. Like, I can do this, you know. Do you remember the very first time you, sure. you wrote, like, your own, uh, your own riff or your own song? Yeah, I do. I was, like, I think it was when I was about, 11 or no, no it was 10 or 11 and yeah about that time and i was i would sit in the basement for hours trying to recreate certain sounds um from the some of these albums that i'd hear and i, I would eventually get there but i had my dad's resources to use um and i would have like you know like there was like a looping pedal he had like some sort of digitech thing that allowed me to do loops and so i would i would do that and create little snippets of bits and pieces of songs and then um eventually i I had what turned out to be like parts that put that fit together to be in a complete song and um that actually uh there was like somehow somebody that he knew someone found it the song, it was kind of a, I was taking lessons and it was a kind of a finger picked, like a classical sort of thing. And, uh, so yeah. And that actually was my first song. Do you, did it have a title? Uh, no, it was untitled and it, it's completely, I can't even remember. I'm sure I titled, I had a title for it, but I can't remember. Um, well, We'll get into it because I got to say, like when I first uh, uh, knew you, you uh, were in a band called Which Way It's Home. I used to go to the Canton scene down, and this is when we were talking like early mid to mid two thousands at this point. And you were in a band called Which Way Is Home, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I have to tell you, the very first time I ever heard of you guys was through a classmate of mine from South Lyon, and I was and you guys were playing at the barn, and um, mm-hmm. uh, and. I I asked my, this guy's name. His name was Ronnie, and I, I wasn't that familiar with him, but I, I knew him okay. And he and I was like, "So which way is home?" Yeah, I, I think I kind of got to go home, but uh, but you know, what do you think about them? And he's like, he's like, actually, yeah, they're not very good. You don't need to worry about them. And so I, I left. And then the next time I saw you guys was at the summit, and I stuck around for you. And I was like, "Holy fuck, this guy can actually sing," which was like in that scene was very very difficult to find. Like you're. Your tone of voice was just, it immediately struck me. You guys opened with a song called Killing the Joneses. And I was like, and I remember oh, I was like, that's, I was, that's crazy. I was like, why, I was like, why the fuck did I listen to Ronnie? So, uh, that's funny. Yeah. But, um, so was Which Way is Home your first band? Did you, cause I mean, you, I remember you started that when definitely when you were a teenager. Cause you're only a year younger than me. And I was, I mean, I was in high school and that was going on. So, yeah, it was a while ago. I, Actually, I would just say that was probably my first legitimate band. I had a probably a, a band before that. It's probably not worth mentioning, but we we you know got my got my uh, my feet wet with it. But I, this was the first real band that I put together, and we were playing shows, and I kind of 
you know, I kind of, uh, went to, I went crazy with it. I did, I did as much as I could with it. You know, we got t-shirts and I went, we went to 40 ounce sound, which is now something completely different. I don't know what it's called now, but it's still a studio on Jackson road in Ann Arbor. And we recorded an, uh, an EP there and, you know, we, we've won like a battle of the bands and stuff and used the money from that to fund it. And then we bought a van from like a church in Detroit. And then I was literally skipping school and senior year of high school in order to like go play like internet cafes in like the middle of Illinois. So without guarantees. So we weren't for sure getting, we were just living on the fly. We didn't know it was going to happen. It was, it was fun. Yeah, and and that lasted for a good. I mean, I mean that was at least a good four or five years. It seemed way longer at the time, um, but because uh, yeah, it eventually grew. It eventually grew into something that was much more. I guess it became professional because kids were showing up from different states and following us around a little bit. It was it was really cool. It was really cool to see that take off a little bit. Well, and you guys, you we got signed to a production deal and had a manager and stuff. Uh, we didn't really expect that. Well, yeah, you guys, um, you, you released two EPs. I remember. Um, yeah, the first one was called "Dead Awake and Dreaming," and the second one was called "Are, Are You Listening?" Um, could you just tell me? I've always wondered, like, about your writing process for that for that group and like how a lot of, some of those songs came about. Kind of the um, know, just the general process of how you would go about writing a song and then presenting it to the band and all that. Um, yeah, so those songs were like some of the first songs ever written, or like I ever written for, I never, ever really tried to put together for a band. And, uh, like, actually I'd say those are legitimately some of the first lyrics I ever, I ever wrote as well. And, um, so they were, they were really thrown together, trying to, trying to sing, trying to, you know, you're probably, your friend Ronnie was probably right. I wasn't we were probably kind of stuck in the beginning. <laughs> like, what do you expect? Trying our best. Yeah. But we got better because I didn't listen to anyone else. I don't really listen to, uh, to that. You can't listen to your own press, some people say. I, I didn't really... My, even my mom told me to stop singing. She's like, in the beginning, she's like, you should just stick to playing guitar. You're good at that. <laughs> Well, that's crazy to hear because so. I remember like talking to people. I remember we saw you guys on Halloween of 2005. I was with a friend and we were, it was at this church in Plymouth. And, uh, and I was like, t- I was just raving about your voice, uh, to, to my friend. And I remember it's this guy in front of us knew you. I don't know who he was. I don't know if he was a family member or whatever. And he like turned around and he's like, yeah, you know, he didn't, he didn't always sound like that or something to, to that effect. So, uh, that's, that's oh, kind of funny well, to hear. Yeah. I, I- it, it, you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta go out there and listen to yourself. I, I had to listen to myself be like, Oh man, I just consistently sing flat or I'm like, but you know, there wasn't a lot at stake when you're playing, you know, just for your friends and around, we weren't doing too big of shows right in the beginning or anything like that. And, uh, it was great learning experience and a lot of really other, a lot of other bands that had, that we had were able to play with and connect with and, it was a cool community at the time. I don't know if it's the same anymore. You know, I don't see, you know, I have little brother and little sister, stepbrother and stepsister, and uh, they're about that age that we were when we were going to shows and when I had the band, which way is home. And uh, I have them 
you guys have high school bands or like any bands that you like you champion or something? You know, is there some friend of yours that's in a band? No, I don't know anyone that's in a band. And uh, they know musicians and stuff. It's just different. So. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It seems like I mean, it's 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 a it's a multivariate uh, uh, you know set of reasons as to why it, it isn't the way it used to be. But we were really the last generation, I think that that had that where it was people were in bands. Nowadays, I think it's I think it's economical. I think that it's just guitar just isn't as popular as it used to be, especially with teenagers. Um, now it's it's laptops. You know, you make music with your laptop, and and um, I think that's when they say they know musicians. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that that's the type of musician that they know is a lot of electronic music and things like. Well, that. Well, yeah, and it's like it's like even if you can make it on your own. I mean, it, the best part was like the camaraderie. You know, getting yeah. people, getting my friends together to like go play. They, you know, I I wrote the songs, and we there was no doubt like we were playing my songs and my friends, we were in it together. We we're to have a good time. But then it, it's nowadays it's like, you know, everyone's a hired gun. And that's eventually kind of what led me to, to LA because I, I wanted to make a career out of playing music. And so I was still writing a bunch. I still have a catalog of songs with which way is home. And, and uh, I wrote stuff for soul giants, my other band. And I got there and, my solo career, you know, and I publishing deal and I still write a lot and I still have those songs and it's it's still a worthwhile effort, I'd say, just the writing part. But I don't know what the climate would be if if I went back out with a band. I'd still love to do that because again, I love the the whole, you know, get out there on the road with your friends and just play shows. That's like kind of bittersweet for me. Well, let's let's talk about that because you, you you moved to L.A. Um, in I want to say two thousand eight, maybe two thousand seven, somewhere in there. Um, and uh, you, because why don't you talk about how that decision came about? Because which way is is home? It had been going on for a while. Like, what made you pull the trigger and say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this and go try relocate and try something else"? Because, like you said, I want to do this for a living, and uh, it's not catching fire in the way that I it needs to in order for that to happen. Why did I do that? So we, which way is home? We had a production and management deal or something with some, with some, some group in LA at the time. And we were out in Michigan still. And I, all of us were just kind of busting our asses trying to uh, make that happen from where we were. And we were playing a lot. We were flying out to New York um, doing showcases, which is, I think people still, I mean, for sure it still happens. Like you do showcases for A&R. We were doing A&R showcases like all the, like every month, flying to LA, New York, blah, 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 having people come to us, trying to land a, a label deal. And it just, things were changing. Um, the whole, the whole industry and the, the uh, landscape was really, really changing. So eventually um, I think one of the guys that really liked us was like the head of A&R at, um, at I think it was like Columbia or something. And, and he was a great guy. He really was behind us. And suddenly he was, certainly he just, he, he was let go or he quit. And the whole, the whole branch, like everything changed. They like cleaned the house. So, I mean, it was just too unpredictable. We were just kind of like over, over it after a while. So I, I, 
you know, a couple of them, the guys were like, you know, we've kind of reached the end of the road after five years of trying to do this. And, and I had nothing to lose at that point. So I just said, I'll go to, I'm just going to go to LA. If any of you guys want to come with me and, you know, try to get into the publishing licensing stuff or just meet other musicians, just be in a different atmosphere somewhere where we can just like, hopefully thrive, you know, come. And so I think I had one guy come with me, but, um, that's when we started, I started soul giant and uh, that kind of lasted about a year before I think my drummer got hired with Selena Gomez. <laughs> yeah. Cause you so toured with Selena Gomez. So she had to take a job that was going to pay, which I don't blame him. Uh, well, tell us about that. Cause you, it was, was that cause did soul, I was under the impression that all-star weekend toured with Selena Gomez, not soul giant. Did soul giant tour with Selena Gomez? Um, yes. Soul giant did not do that with Selena Gomez. That was all-star weekend. I got called in for that. So uh, oh, it's okay. weird how, how it works out. So I, our, my drummer for soul giant played with, got hired to play with Selena. Oh, okay. And, that's what happened first. And then I started working. I said, you know what, let's do the band still, but I, I still would love to, you know, per, you know, probably work in music. And, um, the Selena Gomez connection happened on its own. It's just so coincidental because it was maybe a year and a half later. I ended up getting called to play with all star and those guys, which is like a, it was, was funny because it didn't really, it didn't really fit my trajectory at the time. I was moving more in an indie, indie thing. I wasn't really in, you know, I don't want to say I wasn't into their music. It was just sort of not really my style, I guess. I just was helping some, I was helping them out. Someone called me from the label and they said, you know, they just lost their guitar player. Would you consider coming out and filling in? And uh, I was happy to do that. I was really grateful because they had a lot more going for themselves than, you know, my band. I didn't, there was no reason I couldn't have, I could have, uh, turned it down. Well, so, so you became a hired gun then. And so, uh, and you've, exactly. that, that, that was pretty much your, I mean, by then you were kind of doing, a, it sounds like a bunch of, of all sorts of different things in LA to, to, to make a living. I mean, you were, you were modeling, you, you had soul giant going on. You, you were on Glee. You were part of the band in Glee, right? Like you were the guitar player for the band yeah. in Glee. What was that like? Glee was awesome. Uh, that happened from, again, just meeting people and being social. And obviously I didn't really, didn't see that on my radar at all. But when it happened, it was like, all right, this is great. This is a great, this is, you know, to sustain my, my, you know, my life here and my career for now. And I, I mean, it was great. I got to work with other musicians that were really talented. The guys that are on that show, everyone, everyone, the guys, the girls, everyone is really dialed in. Like they are very talented, very skilled in whatever it is they do. You know, I think the musicians specifically, the singers and that's how what led me into singing too because i did session singing after that oh. i met some i was able to to kind of grow as a singer and uh i sang backgrounds with sam smith uh dion warwick um i sang on a steelo green record rio 2 a film um so i was really i'm really grateful for that experience Glee really catapulted me into a working 
more of a professional. Uh, so, okay. So, um, t- tell us about your solo career then, because you, you had, you had all this other stuff going on and you're finally making a living doing what you wanted to be doing. Um, and it was, it, yeah. was, it wasn't quite what you expected, but you were, you, you were supporting yourself. But you still wanted to. You were still writing your own songs, and you still wanted to, you know, put them out yeah. there. So why don't you tell us about that? Yep. So I started writing. So I had my own stuff, and uh, I was coming off the road. I got hired to to be the music director for another Hollywood Records, uh, some some other pop star, and um, she's she was great. It was a great experience too. And I was really aching to still get back to my roots, which was to write and release my own music. But I couldn't really facilitate a band, so I was just, for a long time, I just didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't really want to release something without a band, so I was on the edge. But eventually just kind of sucked it up and said, all right, I don't, I'm just going to release it under my own name. Um, and released the, I think released the first EP in 2012, and then another one in 2000, the next year, right? 2013. So... Yeah, that was great. You know, I was, I was coming home from tour um, and cranking out as many songs as I could in, in my house, in my place, producing and, and writing them. And then I just ended up finding a few songs that I felt were really versatile. I just, it was really not at all, uh, it was all self done. And I had, I had the help and support of, a few key individuals at the time that were really great, you know, like, uh, I had a manager, a new manager then that was, was great. He was really supportive. Well, uh, are you still doing any of that stuff then? Cause I, I, I have to say like when you called here before the show, you let me know and we'll get into this, but you're, you're back in Michigan now and you were just, you just went to U of M. Uh, so are you still doing music at all or is there anything coming up for you? Yeah. Um, so I've been so as far as my own music, I, I've been kind of laying back on that and still taking work for like songwriting and uh, production stuff. And actually, more in terms of songwriting, I'll, I'll do collaborative work like any day, pretty much with with people that I think are really cool and people I like. I I got a call from a friend of mine, uh, Ryan. Um, Ryan Scott Graham, he's in this band called State Champs and they're like a punk rock band and uh, they're doing very well for themselves and he's got his own album out and I helped on a number of songs on that album of his and so that's, I, I kind of champion that um, probably ahead of my own personal solo stuff but I do plan personally to release um, some new music sometime in the next year so that's actually going to be under a band. Oh, really? What's, uh, what's the band, band called? Name. Band's called Jacuzzi's. Jacuzzi's. You can find it online. You can find it on, on Spotify. You can stream it. It's on Nitrous. But I never really pushed it because um, it was always just it was always just sort of a work in progress. But I, I hope to release that okay. in the next year. We're going to do another. We've got 10 songs, actually. we got Beds you know, just instrumentals. So I'm going to put some vocals on it, fly out to California, finish it up sometime right. in the next couple months. Well, we'll look for it then. Um, 
So, yeah, I finished up at U of M too, so that was why I'm back in Michigan. I know you mentioned that. So. Yeah, well, when, when did you? When did? Didn't how did that come that. about? How did that come about? Like, when did you? How did you decide I'm going to go to U of M for neuroscience? Because after after having a career in you know entertainment out in L A, that's quite the the leap, you know. So how to tell us about that? It was a leap. I just felt like. Uh, felt like I needed to do something a little more enriching with uh, my time outside of music. And I was, I felt, I just, I read a book by Oliver Sacks. I still read, um, I still have the book and I still open it up and read it. I mean, Oliver Sacks was a famous neurologist, passed away in 2015. And uh, he had uh, a really cool book uh, called Musicophilia. And a lot of cases of uh, psychiatric patients of his that um, had these interesting experiences with music and how they perceived the music. And I was just so intrigued as to how the brain works and how does perception work in terms of music and how could this maybe relate to um, people that have issues like post-traumatic stress. I just started getting into it. Just really intrigued me because I hadn't really turned, hadn't really access that part of myself ever i i never entertained it you know i just it was like i was primed for it you know um i was ready for something a little bit more challenging intellectually not that it's not in challenging in itself music's a ch- it's amazing but i was just in the perfect place to sort of put myself into a, a student role and um, i made myself a student and took some classes in LA, applied to a few programs that were more biopsychology um, focused and University of Michigan in Ann Arbor was uh, on the top of my list and I just so happened to have gotten in there and I just made the move. I was like, all right, I'm going to leave LA for an indefinite period of time and do this because I feel like it's definitely, definitely going to be exciting. So, um, what do you plan on doing with that degree then? Like what kind of work do you want to do with it? Uh, I did some research while I was, while I was a student and, um, I learned a lot about basic, you know, science and how to do science. Um, I hope to uh, apply that for sure. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I've got, um, a year before I either start another program, um, and so don't want to say anything yet too soon, too prematurely. So maybe we can talk again. I'll, we'll see what happens in a few months. So I'll have more details on that, but got some things the works. Yeah. To, but I, I would say that, um, I like the, the path of, um, you know, research biopsych and, um, what could that mean in terms of, you know, kind of stuff I was saying before was how could music intervene with, in okay. terms of like a, a treatment or something, you know, you never know. Right. Yeah. Well, how can it be used for therapy? Basically you said post-traumatic Maybe. stress disorder and things like that. So that's, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a Without great idea. Too, too weird or like too, too wordy and, um, jargony. I think that it's just a really cool, uh, application. I think for me, um, in the next, uh, next year, I'll have a lot more answers that are going to be, uh, you know, for me, my personal goals and everything, I'm going to have a lot more 
the next few months sorted out. So school, I might start something else up in the year. All right. Well, um, recently you, you, you're in, you're in Mexico right now. You've been doing a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. You said you, you're just doing it for pleasure pretty much. Um, where have you been and, and, uh, and what do you, what are you planning on doing in Mexico? Where in Mexico are you anyway? I'm in Cancun, uh, uh at this, uh, res, this resort called, I don't know what it's called. I mean, honest. it's, it's nice. It's a nice place. It's a beautiful time of year to visit. It's right at the end of dry season. So um, a lot of people would say, oh, I'm a little nervous to come because it's, it's, it's not exactly a peak season, which is probably perfect. So anyways, I'm really enjoying the time to visit my friends in Germany, which I did last last couple of weeks. Um, and I went to Amsterdam. Yeah, just, just getting around the world. I, I got to visit some of these places on tour. I usually come here for work. I was in New Mexico. I was in Mexico in November playing with a friend of mine, um, for a party, some, some golf tournament. Hmm. Um, it was for planet hope. It was like a charity event. It was really cool, but I never get to visit for more than a couple days at a time. So now that I'm, you know, sort of freed up with between school and I'm not, um, you know, tied down, I was just, I'm just enjoying out here out enjoying the world. And, uh, seeing some of my friends and writing music. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, um, the name of the show is uh, American Winer. So, uh, Eric Nicolau, is there anything that you want to whine about? Yeah, I do want to whine about a couple things. Uh, you know, recently I noticed that there was uh, there's this, tr- well, we all know, well, maybe we don't all know, but there's an anti-vaccine trend. Are you aware of this? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's annoying to me. I would like to whine about it. I don't have a reason to uh, not whine about it, right? Yeah, well, go for it, man. And you probably have a, a, a unique perspective on it, having studied the brain. So you would know, you know, if, if vaccines cause autism. I don't buy into that myself. Um, no, but, they uh, don't cause autism. It's it's totally a bias. We all have bias, and um, we want to place some blame or you know some reason as to why maybe someone's child might have autism and maybe it's because of vaccine it's just it's a far reach it's not accurate and i think there's enough data out there to support that in fact i think there's a problem now people are not getting vaccines so the kids not getting vaccines i think polio is now an issue oh, um shit. i think what was it hey Hey, what was the statistic on the back of uh, the polio? Did you talk to me about that? No? Okay. So I thought I heard a, a statistic about how there's like some disease we had like literally had, we've resolved mm-hmm. so long ago. Now it's, now it's an issue again. So I think, I think there's, it's just kind of pathetic. Well, I can like no, I think I think you have you're onto something when you say that like people are like looking for something to blame because what I mean what does I don't think we have the answer for what specifically causes autism right I mean it's it's like a it, they're not sure if it's hereditary or I don't I might just be making that up but uh, but I do think that you're onto something when you say like people want something to blame so at least they they know like oh this is why it's happening you know um, I know it's tough it's tough but the problem is that the effects are pretty. I mean, the facts are not, I mean, if we want to place 
if we want to start a campaign against anti-vaccines, you're going to do so much harm. Oh yeah. You're going to convince a lot of people ready to, you know, especially with the green mosquito thing and all the anti-chemical, you know, if you're an herbalist and stuff, I mean, that's fine. But, you know, when you're doing, if you're not vaccinating your child, you're putting so many people at risk. Well, you know. I completely agree, and, and like like I said, I'm not. Uh, I, I've never bought into the whole anti-vaxxer uh, movement or whatever. And to be perfectly honest with you, when I first heard it, it didn't really make much sense to me because um, I'm like, you know, maybe. The, I mean, I suppose I I could entertain the thought of maybe a few isolated cases of things you know going wrong, but I mean, you can't. Millions and millions of people have had have been vaccinated, and. If if we're going to talk about a couple thousand out of millions, which even those thousand are you know are pretty disputed, it sounds like it's really not even you know if if anything it's 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 the number is minuscule. Um, I know it, it's a good track record. I'll, I'll go. I'll take those odds. You know. So um, mm-hmm. so why don't you tell us? Because this is this is an interesting topic, and it, you having studied neuroscience, like you probably have like this a really interesting you know, perspective on it. Like you can actually get into the nuts and bolts and like explain like, here's why that's bullshit. Right. So could you just, mm-hmm. just talk a little bit about that? Like why specifically are these people wrong and why don't vaccines cause the problems that these people say they're causing? Um, I don't have a really, uh, a nice and clean scientific answer for it. Um, but all I can say is there is no evidence there's no scientific evidence for it. There's nothing to say that there's, first off, autism is now uh, over the last, so, so, I mean, this is pretty recent. We've been able to develop the spectrum and diagnose it and we're getting better at it. It's more sophisticated with time, but I think it's so, so premature and it's to be able to point fingers as to like, whether it's purely genetic or it's, environmental but you know we're getting a grip on some of these things but it's certainly not anything to do with vaccinations it's almost like saying i don't know like i don't know there's it's like you heard that saying correlation is not causation oh yeah yeah you heard that yeah i mean anyone that's like you know you're taking a stats class certainly heard that saying but yeah it's just it's just sad that that's how we kind of reason things. So I think it really, my only answer is that it's bias. It's, we all have bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that causes well, so many problems. Good. I mean, that's that we can get into that. That's, that's a whole other, I mean, but, but I wanted to say, you, you, you mentioned that we, it's really only recently that we've developed this spectrum and now it's it, for autism. And it seems like now, like a lot of cases, you know, kids are being diagnosed with things that they don't even have a problem in or they may just, it may just be their personality or whatever. And then they're getting diagnosed as mentally ill. So now it might be, we're getting, you have one side of the issue where people are saying, you know, the cause of this is, is something that, that is, that has nothing to do with it. And then uh, the other end, you got somebody who's saying like, my kid's autistic when really your, your kid's just quiet, you know, and there's actually nothing mm-hmm. wrong, nothing wrong with their brain. So so it's it's well uh, it's hard i think they have thankfully there's a lot of i think psychology and i mean the therapy and behavioral therapy is is getting there's it means pretty sophisticated i mean they're getting way better at at treating it and trying to hopefully you know i'm all about 
you know, I would love to be more involved with like advocating, um, getting the programs and getting more uh, resources to parents that with, with to kid, you know, for the kids that have possibly autism. And I think that's, I think that's amazing, but yeah. Do you, do you know anybody with autism? Is that why this, this, uh, this topic is kind of this is, is on your mind? Like this topic? No, I just think I saw something recently. In fact, I'd say if you're interested in knowing a little bit about how I, how, where I got this and where, where I'm, th- how, why I'm thinking this way is there's actually, um, I, I got some of this information from while I was university initially while I was studying it, but, um, you can check out this show on YouTube called, uh, uh, it's science. It's like the, you, there's, there's this, I'm going to have to send you later. I can't remember right now, but there's a, there's a YouTube channel and, uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of up and coming science stuff. And, uh, it's, it's kind of, they answer questions that people send in. Pretty cool. Uh, okay, and one they of the questions. Back recently. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, that I would be interested in that. I love YouTube. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about your uh, about just the the stuff that you studied while you were at U of M and and like how it relates to this because this is this is I mean the fact that I was so shocked, man, when you told me that because I I had just assumed you'd stayed in L.A. and you were just doing your you know, you'd be in a hired gun for various projects, you know, and that was how you're making your living. And then, and then you said, Oh, actually, so, I just, I just got done at U of M and I'm like, Oh wow, that's impressive. You know, and what did you study? Oh, I studied like the most complex possible object in the universe, you know? So, uh, so it's pretty interesting. Um, but like, I suppose the question that I'm, I'm getting to is, uh, like, what is the most like, if you had to pick one thing, like what is the most interesting thing about the human brain that you learned in, uh, in at U of M and like, and, and that you took away changing, from that project? It's always changing. Uh. The brain is plastic. It's, uh, you can train yourself. Think differently. You can think differently. The mind is, you know, that saying mind over matter. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. So, you know, there's a lot of people that use drugs to alter the way they think, but there's more to it than that. You can really train, you know, people meditate. That's amazing. That's awesome. Definitely meditate. Definitely do yoga. These things are all closely synced with your brain and the chemistry of your brain. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing how in tune your your like actual your physical body is with how you think you can change the way you, you experience everything. Just it's all about how you think. I have tried meditation before I have friends that do yoga and things like that. I just cannot get it. I don't know what I, I, I completely believe in the, in the, it's healing power and things like that. I've seen it work too many times for, for me not to believe in it. Um, but, uh, I myself have just never been able it's never clicked with me is do you have any advice for somebody like me who's perhaps tried it and just cannot figure out what, how to make it work um oh like meditation and stuff yeah yeah oh man I don't know I, I didn't really learn about that specifically I just kind of a takeaway is that that one of the things that you said earlier was that it, what did you learn about the brain and stuff uh-huh. so that's pretty remarkable you know people think that they're stuck in their ways or you can't learn new things or 
Um, but one thing I'd say is be open-minded and um, the power of like belief, if you will, you know, like if you can, if you can embrace something and really just center yourself and um, med- I think meditation is a powerful application because you can, it really rewires your brain. That's what you're doing. You're rewiring. There's pathways in your brain, you know, it's just, you're trying to, and, you know, learning is essentially making new pathways. So your learning is, is your teach, you know, if you can meditate and you can learn and, you know, handle stress better, um, you're able to consolidate memories and recall those memories as needed more efficiently. And you're just more efficient person. And, life can just be a little bit more manageable. And um, I, my only advice is to say, like, you know, I think there's actually books out there. I might send you a couple links if you want. Yeah, um, sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I guess uh, my, we're going to, we're going to be wrapping this up here in a little bit, but uh, I just, I have to ask you, um, we already kind of touched on this a little bit. You got your jacuzzis project coming up. You're going to be doing more with, uh, with U of M and kind of deciding what you're going to be, what, uh, specific path you're taking with, with the, the degree that you, you're earning. And, um, what, I just want to get a, an idea of like what you got coming up in the future here. Are there anything specific, uh, other than what we already talked about, uh, besides jacuzzis and U of M? Is there any solo work coming mm-hmm. out or, uh, any more yeah, hired, hired so, gun stuff? Well, well, I don't, I can't say, I can't put a, a definite thing with my solo work. I, I do play spot dates, you know, solo. I get, uh, I think I'm playing the end of this, the end of May, May 31st. I'm playing in Plymouth, Michigan. Um, it's going to be a really, it's more of a private event. So I can't really, uh, can't really advertise that as a show for people to, to come out to. But um, I would say keeping, if you're really interested in seeing a live show, be just watch it for the next few months because I'm going to have more time to do it. I'm, it's on my radar. I really want to, uh, I, I do plan to get out to LA and play a show and maybe do a Chicago show. Definitely do a few in the area in Michigan. So, um, if you're on my Instagram, it's just my name, Eric Nicolo. And, uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook too, but Instagram is really the, the main source for information on what I'm what I'm up to. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye out for that because it'd, it'd be great to uh, to come see you perform again. It's been like, I mean, I mean, what what, what was it? It's been at least ten, twelve years now. So, uh, yeah, I will definitely do that. Um, but yeah, Eric, thanks so much for talking to us today, man. It's been I'm glad pleasure, we, we, man, we, absolute we, pleasure. We, we kind of we, cool. we were we had an ice storm about two weeks ago. We had to reschedule, um, and before that, we were kind of struggling to, to to we were playing uh, Facebook tag with each other. So I'm glad we we uh, we were able to make this happen. Um, yeah, pleasure but, to talk. Yeah, man, uh, stay on the line, and after we're off the air, I'll give you a proper goodbye. But um, but for everybody else, uh, everybody have a great weekend. I will be back next Wednesday. Uh, and this is American Winer on podcastdetroit.com.